I'm Ben Shepherd. I'm a broadcaster and journalist. I host ITV's Breakfast Show and a number of other big entertainment shows as well. Yeah, at the end of last year, we released Humble Heroes, which was a book that I put together of a number of people, a number of projects, a number of um, uh, incredibly inspiring uh, groups that are doing amazing things in their communities just to make life a bit better. And one of the groups that I wanted to include in the Community Heroes um, section of the book was the RNLI. Uh, of course, it's a, an extraordinary organisation that's very close to my heart, having grown up with family in a small fishing village in North Cornwall. The lifeboat and the RNLI are the absolute soul of that village and have been for over 150 years. And the opportunity to just share my feelings and thoughts on my experience at the Port Isaac lifeboats and then the RNLI across the whole of the UK was a real privilege. Making the selection for the people that we wanted to include in the book was really difficult. It's really overwhelming because you realise how many amazing people there are out there that uh, are just extraordinarily selfless. You know, it's pretty divisive times that we're living in at the moment. It's very easy to get caught up in the headlines and this sort of tension and febrile division that there is politically, socially, digitally, certainly. So it was the most amazing experience because we didn't have to dig very deep to find all these people that are just quietly going about trying to make a difference, are doing extraordinary things in their communities. But I think one of the things that I was drawn to was whatever was at the heart of the project or the person or the challenge that we were highlighting. Um, you know, it was always the humble nature with which these people go about what they do. So Port Isaac is a really important part of my family because my uncle was born there at the turn of the 19th, 20th century. He grew up there as a as a young lad. I mean, he was extraordinary. He was he was a he was a, a fisherman in the village, one of the original fishermen in the village as well. Um, when there was very little in the village, and our holidays revolved around going down to Port Isaac. I mean, Port Isaac is the most quintessentially Cornish fishing village you can imagine. It's it's where Doc Martin is set. It's higgledy piggledy streets, grey slate roofs, the most ridiculously steep hills tiny roads that you get stuck down and then in the middle of it is this harbour with these beautifully colourful boats bobbing on the sea and it's an extraordinary sea to look at because it's turquoise blue but you know when the when the weather turns and you're in the winter it just becomes you know a completely different animal the sea and in amongst all of that there was never any more exciting moments as a sort of eight or nine year old down there than when the lifeboats were going out because the maroon would go up. So initially when I was a kid, there'd be one maroon would go up for the Coast Guard, I think two for the lifeboat and three for both. So these rockets would shoot up in the air. So you'd be somewhere in the house, and you'd hear the rocket go off. And of course, because of the way the village works, wherever the rocket is, you can hear it. So you'd go outside and one's the Coast Guard. And if it meant, if two went off, that meant the lifeboat was gonna get launched. So we'd all charge down to watch these superheroes, as far as I could see sort of get suited and booted and then the boat would get dragged out of the lifeboat uh, house and they'd get taken down to the sea. The romance and the heroism of, of what I was watching as a child meant that I was in awe of these people. What I now understand, of course, is it's 
it's juxtaposed with the potential tragedy of what they could be facing. The boat doesn't get launched unless something really serious and potentially fatal has happened. And they're going to try and get there before that happens. They're going to try and save a life. They're going to try and rescue somebody, which resonates with me far more. But as an eight-year-old, you can imagine how cool these people were charging down the hill, all coming from different parts of the village, like any lifeboat centre anywhere in the country. They're all volunteers. There's, there's Nicky's the baker. Uh, Damien is the builder. You know, one of the guys was a cake shop owner. There's, you know, people from all different backgrounds, teachers in the school. It doesn't matter where what their background is. It's whoever gets down there first. The village is a massive part of my life, still is now to this day. And the lifeboat is the heart and soul of the village. I think Damien, who's one of the helmsmen, um, Damien Bolton, uh, sort of said to me there's three things that are mainstay have always been a mainstay in Port Isaac since sort of it was created it was the church the pub and the lifeboat and he said during Covid it was really really difficult because all of a sudden the beating heart of this village had its doors closed and I think the thing about the RNLI and the lifeboat centres is they're always there they're always open they're always ready for any eventuality and that forced closure during that time was really, really difficult. It was difficult for, for, the, for the volunteers, but it was really difficult for the village as well because this symbol of who they were and, and, and sort of the soul of the village was, was closed up and shut away. Um, so they would go out into the community and they'd go and um, check up on some of the elderly residents. And you can imagine in Cornwall there's a lot of sort of, sort of remote um, properties and, and, and dwellings. And one of the... The houseman Damien went out and I remember him telling me this story that's in the book actually where he went out to see uh, an elderly lady and he'd been asked to go and check on her and as he sort of rolled up her sleeve to put the blood pressure monitor on uh, she burst into tears and he was really worried that he'd hurt her I mean she was quite frail and he said I haven't hurt you I'm so so sorry she said no no one's touched me for eight or nine months I've been on my own. You're the first person to touch my hand or touch my skin. And it was the first human contact that she had had in all that time because she'd had to isolate and she was on her own. And you imagine how terrifying that was and, and, and how alien it was. And suddenly here was the RNLI volunteer just reminding her of there are people out there that care and that can make a difference. And it was really emotional for Damien. He suddenly, he suddenly understood the responsibility that he had in that position and the fact that those volunteers of the RNLI because you know a number of them would be nervous about going out we didn't know much about Covid at the time the idea of going out and going into other people's homes wasn't for everybody because for whatever reasons they might have had to shield at home as well and that was something that stuck with him this this woman's tears when he just suddenly touched her hand and had he not been part of the RNLI crew he wouldn't have been in that position. So we've been mates for a very, very long time. Since he was a small boy and he used to go with his family down to the village, he used to stand and look at the lifeboat and say to his mum, one day I'm going to be on that lifeboat. And of course his mum said, well, I doubt that, darling, because we live in Hampshire, so we don't live anywhere near uh, the sea and certainly not this lifeboat. And of course, as soon as he got down there, his dad joined, his mum joined the committee and he became part of the crew as well. You cut him in half and it says Port Isaac. He absolutely lives for the village and the environment. And like anybody in the RNLI, any of those volunteers, they want people to be able to enjoy this extraordinary coastline that we've got. They want people to be safe. They want people to be able to work. They want people to be adventurous. But they want to make sure that, you know, when you go out to sea, you're going to come back safely as well. And if 
for whatever reason something goes wrong, they're on hand to go and put themselves in the line of fire and to go towards the danger. And I think that's just something extraordinarily admirable. You know, Damien and the crew went out on a particular shout and, and sort of after that, Damien got awarded the silver medal. A father and son had been fishing at uh, Tregardoc, which is sort of a cliff just a bit round the corner from Port Isaac, not too far away. And they'd been swept out to sea and the call had gone up that there were two people in the water. And I think there were three metre swells and force five gales, so it was a pretty tempestuous night. And of course, they've launched the boat and Damien, Nicky, and Matt are in the boat and they've, they've gone out and they've gone round the coastline and they can see the swell and they can see um, the sun's in the water and he's clinging on to the body of what they then found out was his, the father. But of course, the the nature of the cliffs around there and the swell and the gales meant that these were really extraordinary seas. And, you know, whereas majority of the time we sort of all shy away from danger and we, we go the other way because we want to stay safe. Of course, that's not in their remit. They need to go towards the danger. They have the skill to be able to navigate that sort of treacherous sea to get towards or as close as they could to the sun. And um, Damien had to be pretty strident about the son needed to leave the father where he was so they could get the son into the boat and then they could concentrate on how they were going to save the father as well if they could and they were only a couple of meters away but they couldn't get those last few meters the, the son had to leave the father you know eventually and they got him into the boat and he immediately fell unconscious and it became apparent that tragically the father had died They've got to stay focused on the job in hand. They've still got somebody in the boat that they could save the life of, and he's fallen unconscious, he's hypothermic, he's been in the water for a, for, for a very long time at this stage, not least going through the trauma of knowing that something's happened to his dad as well. Damon was trying to navigate the boat out of the cove that they'd got themselves into, which is where the waves were crashing, and um, he tied a life belt to the body of the father so they knew they could come back and collect it later on we understand the responsibility of bringing back the most precious part of anybody's life, which is a family member, whether that be the son or the father or daughter or mother, whoever that might be. And of course, they were able to save the son, but in doing so, they knew they had to leave the father. And the tragedy of the son knowing that his dad wasn't coming back with him is something that Matt and Damien and Nikki have to sort of way up with the reality of the danger that they had to put themselves into and they were able to bring the son back, the son who's now a father and has got married and has got children and the whole family, um, you know, are extraordinarily grateful because had it not been for the Port Isaac lifeboat crew, they would have lost both of them. It's still tragic that they lost the father and that's not something that um, the lifeboat crew ever forget, that the sort of the, the pressure and the responsibility of bringing back even the body. So Damien and, and Nikki and Matt went back to get the body because they understood that actually being able to bring the body of the father back is, is hugely important for the family as well, for closure on that, on, on, on what was a, a very tragic story. But at the same time, they have the, the gratefulness that their son came home and he was saved and has gone on to live a full and happy life with children of his own. 
It's incredible that the ONNI is 200 years old. The foresight to create the ONNI back then um, is amazing. Not many things live to 200 years and for it still to be thriving and growing and still to be such a hugely important part of who we are in the UK, I think is, is reflective of, of the affection and the, the love that people have for it. I don't think it's ever been less important as well. You know, more and more people are going to the seaside, more and more people are going on the sea, more and more people are adventuring out on paddle boards and on inflatables and in boats. You don't want any of that to stop. I think the RNI absolutely personifies what is great in Great Britain. These people that will dedicate and commit their own personal safety in order to go into dangerous environments to protect strangers that they'll never meet is incredibly humbling. And I just think that, that you know, hopefully in 200 years time, it'll be even bigger and it'll be supported even in greater numbers. And there's no question that without the RNLI, there'd be considerably more tragedy around our coastlines. But because of the RNLI, there's considerably more life and joy around our coastlines. And I think that's a really, really special thing. I'm John McLennan, and if you want to hear more stories from the RNLI's 200 Voices collection, then head to rnli.org forward slash 200 voices or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. 200 Voices is produced for the RNLI by Adventurous Audio Limited.